Hi, and welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're listening today. At Redeemer, we are committed to connecting people to God's transforming love, and I hope that this podcast is just one more way that you connect to God's presence this week. We have just kicked off a four-week study called Faithful God, where we're taking a look at Old Testament stories where God's faithfulness has proved to be consistent and powerful. So join us all this series as we explore our faithful God together. So here is week number three of Faithful God from our lead pastor, Adam Barnett. Well, good morning. Come on, good morning. It is good to be with you in person and to all of you who are with us online right now from your homes or anywhere else that you might be watching. It is good to be together at both of our campuses, 101st in Yale and your living room. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 3 this morning with the uh, Lenten season and then our lengthy study on the Gospel of John. We've been in the New Testament for 25 weeks straight. And so today we are in the Old Testament in a series in which we are reminded of the faithfulness of God. Much like Joshua, we could all stack stones to remember God's faithfulness in our lives, and we read that Jesus teaches us to pray, deliver us from evil, and he teaches us to pray this because God can deliver us from evil. But what about life's more difficult days? We can sing, it is well with my soul all day long when our soul is content, But what about hardships that come? Are we still singing during those difficult days? To declare God is sovereign over my cancer is difficult to declare. And it's even more difficult when it's your spouse's cancer. And maybe most difficult when we learn that a young child is terminally ill. Those are the most difficult days to believe that God is good and God is sovereign. We know that God can redeem, and we know that God can protect, and God can cure us, and God can heal us, and so we pray for those things, but if He doesn't, do we still trust Him? Today we find a well-known narrative of faith and a timeless challenge on trusting God. So to set the scene in Daniel chapter 3. The king of Babylon has ordered a 90-foot-tall image of gold to be made, possibly uh, resembled his likeness. As we know from the Greeks and the Romans, kingdoms of the ancient world were fond of statues because it, 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 it provoked a sense of awe in the people as they stood before these statues. Think about the first time you visited the Lincoln Memorial, right? Or Heisman Park at the University of Oklahoma. Sorry, I had to throw that in. Here's a fictional portrayal of the statue from a 1955 Moody Bible story film on the Bible Channel. Maybe a little accurate, not sure. But we know from verse 2, everyone on the federal payroll that day was summoned to show up. And not only show up, but to hit their faces and worship this golden image as soon as they heard the music play. Everyone must fall down and worship, and if they refused to, they would be put to death. So look with me at Daniel chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of, say, Leanne on the piano 
and Edison on the drums, and Diego and Parker and Jeff on the guitars, and Cortez on the bass. That's our team, at least. Notice here, when you hear the music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. People of every language fell down and worshiped. So we know even foreign dignitaries who were present serving in the Babylonian court system, even they had to fall down and worship. Even they fell under this decree. So just imagine the orchestra begins and everyone kneels only to realize that three young Jewish men stayed on their feet. The astrologers chimed in in verse 9. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, truly, I don't believe that this situation was personal toward the king. These three men were simply obeying Old Testament law. You shall have no other gods before me, declared the Lord. You shall not bow down to any idol or worship anyone but God. The king was furious with rage and summoned these three men, and he asks them, is this true that you won't bow? He reminded them, when you hear my Babylonian jazz band play, you must bow down. You are obligated to worship this image of gold. And he even warns them again, if you do not worship this statue, you will be thrown into the furnace. And what God will rescue you then? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, And I sure do love this. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. A little bit of sass right there in scripture, isn't there? We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Verse 18, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. These three men had unshakable faith in the faithfulness of God. Notice how verse 18 begins, but even if he does not. Even if God does not deliver us. Now, if you look at 17, these three men proclaim God's complete capability to deliver them in any way that he chooses. But verse 18, they raise the question here of if God will deliver them. 
And if he doesn't, they refused to bow. Miracle or not, deliverance or death, whatever God decided that day, they had made up their minds that they were good with the outcome because they believed God was good and sovereign. The king became more furious and he ordered his men to crank up the heat seven times hotter than usual. This is interesting. Of course, we know the king was filled with fury and his pride was severely wounded, but this is a foolish order to heat up the furnace seven times hotter than usual. He should have cooled it down. If he was that angry and he wanted these three men to suffer, he could have cooled the furnace and given them a much more painful, slow death. Nevertheless, he orders the furnace to be turned up and he orders some of his strongest men to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and walk them to the furnace and throw them into the fire. Look at verse 22. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors, the entire federal payroll crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, not a hair, nor was a hair of their heads singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives, willing to give up their lives, rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. A little bit harsh here, right? And their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Amen? No other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. These men had gone from being pushed into a fire to promoted in the province. Did you hear me? They were pushed in a fire and then they were promoted. God truly was faithful that day. Not a hair was singed on their heads. Their robes were untouched by the flames. And you know that terrible campfire smell that sticks to your clothes whenever you make s'mores outside. 
Not a trace of fire was on these three men, not a hint of smoke. Donald Campbell writes about the fourth person walking in the furnace that day. He writes, the fact that Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan, identified the fourth being as deity is remarkable. Though it is extremely doubtful that he would have had the insight to understand that he was in the presence of the Son of God. Yet most Bible students do believe that this was a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, who also appeared with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, who feasted with Abraham, who wrestled with Jacob, who spoke to Moses in the burning bush, who appeared to Joshua, who spent the night with Daniel in the lion's den, and who came to be born in a stable. God manifest in the flesh. What a great reminder of Isaiah's prophecy over the nation of Israel. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Isaiah 43, 2. This story ended favorably for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I'm still hung up, maybe you are too, on verse 18. But even if God does not deliver us, but even if God does not deliver us. As a preacher, I don't necessarily enjoy living out all of my sermons especially the ones that I preach about suffering or perseverance through trials of many kinds. Those are great to preach, not so great when they surface on Monday morning, right? I recently experienced a real-life application of Daniel chapter 3. Of course, minus the angry king and the fiery furnace. I prepared this sermon a few weeks ago and was intending on preaching it on August 30th, but I didn't get to. Instead, Andrea and I were at the hospital trying to figure out why my resting heart rate was 160 beats per minute. So with the help of my amazing doctor and a few EKGs and blood work and an echocardiogram and medication, it was determined that I needed a transesophageal echo, and a cardioversion shock. That was fun to hear. I certainly learned a lot of new vocabulary during that time. I asked my cardiologist, why is this happening? He said, I don't know, but you, you are young for this to happen. I said, thanks a lot. Thanks for the reminder. When I walked into the hospital, the heart hospital, a lot of people looked at me like maybe I was a drug rep or picking up a grandparent. I'm not sure. My instinct, my instinct was to wonder, what if this procedure doesn't work? What if this doesn't work? What then? And maybe you can relate from some past experiences in your life. What if this doesn't work out the way that I hope it works out? But to put a Daniel 
Chapter three, verse 18, kind of faith into practice, is deciding to exchange two small words. And it has to do with the liberation of your soul. All of you would say, yeah, that sounds pretty, pretty fine, soul liberation. To set your soul free from the fear that plagues you throughout the day and the night. To set your soul free from worry about the unknown. To set your soul free from the anxiety of what you cannot control. Soul liberation occurs when you replace what if with even if. To set your soul free is to replace what if this doesn't work out with even if. Lord, I believe you can deliver me, I do, but even if you don't. Lord, I believe, but no matter what happens, I will still sing it is well with my soul. The prophet Habakkuk models this beautifully. He pleaded that God would save his people. But listen, even if the fig tree does not bloom and the vines have no grapes, even if the olive tree fails to produce and the fields yield no food, even if the sheep pen is empty and the stalls have no cattle, even if this heart procedure doesn't work, which praise Jesus it did, and I'm so thankful. But fill in the blank there in your own life, my friends, even if this does not occur, this does not happen the way that you hope it happens. Many of you are going through trials of many kinds right now, and in the back of your minds and deep in your hearts, maybe you are entertaining that question. What if, and what worry and fear and anxiety accompanies those two words, what if? So what about this enormous exchange today instead of what if, even if, even if? The prophet says, even then, I will be happy with the Lord. Even if I will truly find joy in my God who saves me. I've had the privilege of working with Iris Ministries in Mozambique and South Africa on four separate occasions. And each trip that we've taken to that southern region of Africa, we take a day trip over to Kruger National Park. Maybe you've heard of it. It's an animal refuge the size of Israel, and you can drive through in Jeeps and see all kinds of game. It is truly spectacular to see native African animals in their wild habitat. It's also a little bit scary. I'll never forget one of the days we were driving through, we blew a tire. And the driver just kind of looked at me like, aren't you going to change it? I used to be bald then by choice, but it was a pretty scary moment to change a flat tire in the middle of Kruger National Park. An audience of giraffes stood there and watched me, and all I could think, if giraffes are standing there, what else is closer? One of the most populous animals is the impala. And you often see this animal on the Discovery Channel sacrificing its life to be dinner. 
for lions and leopards. And to avoid these lions and to avoid these leopards, the impala can jump over 10 feet high and leap distances more than 30 feet. But go to the Tulsa Zoo sometime, and you'll see an impala. The impala's there with the two rhinos, and they're behind very short walls, very short walls, walls that the impala could very easily jump whenever it wants to. Such an enclosure seems absurd unless you know the impala's psyche. What is the impala thinking standing behind those walls that it could so easily jump? These magnificent creatures will not jump unless they can see and feel secure in where their feet are going to land. This impala at the Tulsa Zoo is behind a wall this high. It could easily escape, but these animals will not jump unless they can see and feel secure in where their feet are going to land. If you ask me, it sounds a little bit like humans. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is the assurance about what we do not see. See, we do not have to see to feel secure in Jesus. We don't have to see. We can't always see the other side of the wall. We don't always know where our feet will land, and we certainly cannot control the future. So we free our souls. We ask God for help. Free our souls, Lord, from the fear and the worry and the anxiety of what's out of our control, what's on the other side of the wall, where my feet might land in this life. We free our souls from that anxiety by replacing those two words, What if this doesn't work out in my favor? What if this doesn't work out in the way that I'm praying? We replace those two words with even if. Even if it doesn't work out the way that I hope. And we wholeheartedly trust in the goodness of God, in the love of God, and in the sovereignty of God. And when we stand in flames, that are maybe seven times hotter than they should be. We never forget who's standing in the fire with us. It's Jesus Christ. And oh, he loves you. He's always with you. No matter the outcome, our deliverance or maybe sorrow We join in the ageless chorus of faith and we declare, but even if not, Lord, but even if not, let's stand and worship together. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.